Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Welcome to the Auburn Live podcast. Your home for bold, insightful, and honest conversations around Auburn athletics. Where you go? Welcome in to another Auburn Live show. I am Justin Hokinson. Um, as always... Um, we're going to talk a little Auburn football. It's been uh, it's been a crazy crazy time here with uh, with fall camp really really rolling on and in preparation for Akron get rolling and um, scrimmages going on and depth charts being made and uh, a bunch of stuff and a bunch of stuff going on. Happy Friday morning to you um, and we'll uh, we'll jump right into it. We got a really special guest um, with us today. Uh, before we get to him, real quick, just want to give a shout out to a couple of partners of the show. One, Southeastern, great bar downtown, uh, fantastic building, two-story bar, bunch of bunch of TVs, really awesome atmosphere. Um, great place to go on Saturdays, go, great place to go on the weekend. So check them out, Inside Outside Bar, Southeastern, really good friends of the show, uh, as well as the Irritable Bow Restaurant on Magnolia Avenue. Awesome food, Chinese Bow. Um, you know, shrimp rolls and chicken skewers, like all kinds of good stuff. Shout out to Whitley Dykes. Um, awesome dude in a fantastic restaurant in downtown Auburn on Magnolia. Um, all right. So let's bring in our guest, former Auburn quarterback, um, SEC West champion. Um, I think a lot of people will, uh, will remember those, those years, the beginning of the Tuberville era. Um, Mr. Ben Leard, Ben, man, what is going on, dude? It's been a minute. Oh, Hoke, man, we're just getting old, man. Just uh, turned from former player to dad, washed up softball coach to <laughs> now I feel like a, uh, a college admissions um, vetter, I guess. But it's uh, it's good, man. Just trying to get used to the new normal, brother. How about you? Oh, I'm good, man. Good. Glad to be back in the game with Auburn Live. We have had an unbelievable first two weeks. Um, incredible. I mean – the, the, the amount of uh, attention and the people that have really jumped on board with us is has been awesome and humbling. So pumped about Auburn live and what we're going to be doing there and glad That's to have good. you as a, a part of a, a part of a, the site and contributing and, and being a voice, uh, an awesome voice for, for Auburn football. Um, maybe you mentioned that, like how, how far, how long ago does 2000 feel at this point? Oh, dude, <laughs> it's uh it, it it actually feels farther away than the years tell you, you know, it, yeah. it, it feels further than 21 years. And, and what's crazy to me is when you start, when I'll, when I'll start telling my daughters, Hey, I've known this guy for, since I was a freshman in high school or excuse me, a freshman in college. And they look at me like, man, that's 25 years ago, dad. That's, that's a long time. And so it really, it really makes me feel long in the tooth when it comes to, uh, when it comes to aging myself, but it does, man, 21 years ago, it's 21 years ago as a senior, it feels like an eternity ago and things have changed a lot for sure. 
Hey, you kind of have an interesting perspective, I think, on what these players are going through. I mean, you 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 were um, you know you were there during coaching changes, right? Like you were. What was your freshman year? So my my freshman year was '96. Uh, yeah. That was that was that was Coach Bowden's third year, I believe it was. Yeah. And then you know we went through the we went through the night the 1998 change right. when it went from when it went from Terry to Bill Oliver. Yeah. To, to Tubbs, and yeah. uh, it was it was eventful to say the least. And it I mean, was so what, yeah. What's your perspective? You went through like these guys are now trying to figure out a new staff. Okay, well, you know their staff's trying to gain trust and loyalty, and all these dynamics are happening. Um, what have you heard on how it's going? What what was important to you then? And like how how difficult is it? I mean, you guys ninety nine. I mean, you had some big wins in ninety nine, and two thousand was a great year, and you look at what Malzahn did in his first year. So like it can be done where you can have a real quick turnaround, but just take us through that dynamic. Sure. It, you know, you hit the nail on the head with regards to the fact that it can be done. And, you know, these guys, the players and coaches alike step into every season with the expectation of winning every single game. And, you know, they don't work as hard as they do, you know, going into it with a negative perception, but I, I think it's one that, I have a very, very optimistic point of view when it comes to a new head coach. And one thing that's kind of stuck out to me with that and even having gone through it with Coach Tuberville is that, you know, initially when Harson and his staff came to Auburn, you know, a lot of the naysayers and boo birds came out with regards to the what, what one would say about lack of production on the recruiting grounds. Yeah. You know, they, they didn't have a tremendous all-star recruiting cast or whatnot. They did a great job, I thought, in filling some boys in the transfer portal throughout the summer. But I, I do think the problem that – the thing that people are missing is they are, they are discounting the tremendous shot in the arm or light of hope that this new staff is giving an upperclassman. The, the TD Moultries of the world, yeah. the kids that are juniors and seniors that came into Auburn as, you know, three and four star kids that right or wrong, the kid maybe has developed a, a perception of, oh man, they weren't giving me a chance. You know, I wasn't going to get my, I wasn't going to get any burn under coach Malzahn. Coach still was holding me down. Coach Gardner had it out for me. There, there was something that was looming in that kid's psyche that was keeping them from being as productive as they possibly could be. A new coaching staff, a new era, a new attitude, and just a new set of eyes gives these young men that maybe have been kind of pushed off to the side, it, it gives them a little bit of a better edge, gives them a little bit light of hope. So you almost are you're you're almost replenishing their stars, and, and you're going to get a little bit more. I hope a little bit more out of them than you may have expected or may have gotten if the coaches would have stayed the same. So that what that does to me or what that says to me is that bridges the gap of lack of recruiting or poor recruiting in your first 2021 recruiting class. It bridges the gap, buys you some time, and gives you a, an ability to step into a, a full class in 2022 
build your football facility in 2022, and then you're off to the races in 22 and 23. Have you ever heard of a, of a head coach coming in the way Harson did and running decks with the team and, and literally getting on the bench and, and, and lifting heavy weights with the team and the way he is, I mean, he's literally working out. He's doing the same, some of the same stuff they're doing. The, the only, this, this dates pretty far back, but the only coach that I can recall that I've ever seen do that. Do you remember Jim Levitt? That was it. Yeah. That was at USF. Yeah. And he was a little bit off on his rocker, but you know, they would, they would show video of him running sprints with the guys, but doing like pregame warmups with them a little bit. But yeah, Hoke, I can tell you, I went, I went to the last day of decks that the kids ran a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. And Harson ran every stinking one of them, all 20. And he didn't check up. I mean, I, I've, I've never seen a head coach do that. But what was crazy, he did it. I watched Kendall Simmons do them. I watched Zach Etheridge do them. I, I mean, I, I watched I watched Derek Mason do them. I watched – I mean, I you know, you see, you see all these guys, these coaches do it, and in an effort is to build the trust with these kids. They're not going to yeah. ask these young men to do anything that is not in their best interest. And the way to do that is, is to have – show some empathy for what they're going through and, and establish some buy-in. I, I, I was blown away, man. I mean, I, I've been ultimately impressed with his, with what he's doing to try and win these kids. And, and I know 21 years is a long time. And there, there's things about young men, especially on the football field, that are always going to be the same. They're, they're, you always have to win their trust. They always have to be willing to go to battle for you. They always have to know you've got their best interest at heart. They always have to know you love them. But at the same time, this is a different age of kid. You, you've got to constantly recruit them. You, you, you've got to live up to what you told them in the recruiting process because ultimately they can leave you tomorrow. Yeah. So – I think he's I think he's taking the steps and doing the things in order to one win all of the kids over, but I think he's also doing what he needs to do to keep them in camp, keep them on campus, and keep them in the orange and blue. Yeah, I definitely can't imagine a better, quicker way to to gain their trust. A bunch of players who are like, okay, the new here's the new coach. What's he all about? And you're out there doing it with them. I mean, I there's I quite literally can't think of a a quicker way and a better way to gain their trust than immediately working out with them and running like that. I mean, that, that just speeds up the process um, immensely. I, I would have to think those players are like, Whoa, okay. This dude's this dude's like dying. Like I am out here. Well, and you know, it probably, you think about it and you ask, I and mean, I'm sure if you like listen to last week's podcast with Sammy, it was, well, it was put out, I guess yesterday or this morning. It was great. Yeah. You know, and obviously you can ask Rob what what happens and then the, the, the logistics of it are, okay, we're going to go condition for the first time and all of a sudden there's this, you know, young, in-shape looking head coach. He's going to come out the first day and he's going to run with us. Well, majority of the guys are going to look at him like, whatever. Yeah. You know, but it's doing it week after week after week after week. That's – that's what's most impressive is the 
the kids mentality of knowing they got to be there and knowing that the coach is there with them and not just blowing the whistle and blowing smoke. And I think the stay power or the resiliency aspect, like you had said, has, has for summer conditioning. Now they may, it, you know, we'll see how things go when the lights come on, but has won these kids over to know that he's, he's in it. You know, he's, he's all in. Like you said, you look at some of the, some of the Instagram things that the guys were putting out with regards to all for the ball. I mean, that, that kind yeah. of stuff is, that kind of stuff speaks well. And I think he's doing the right things and saying the right things to the guys. Yeah. Um, all right, let's jump into the team a little bit. Obviously, your forte is quarterbacks. You were a really good one in the SEC. Auburn um, has got um, an interesting situation. You have Bo Nix, who was all-world coming out of high school. We all know what Bo Nix is about. And, um, you know, had a successful freshman campaign, I would say, and then plateaued last year, if not maybe regressed a hair, um, if, you, if you factor everything in. And now you're looking at him with his third offensive coordinator, in three seasons and, and you're expecting a new Bo Nix or you're hoping for a new Bo Nix this year. And then of course you bring in TJ Finley, who's got all the physical capabilities and uh, bring him in to compete for the job. And you have freshman Demetrius Davis back there is really good player as well. What's sort of your take on, on the quarterback position on, you know, Bo and, and what you're hearing and, and, and what kind of things he needs to focus on and, 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 you know, and the, the, the idea of bringing in Finley and to, to compete and how that might, help Bo Nix just sort of give me your thoughts on this quarterback situation at Auburn I man I can tell you this is as far as I can remember this is the most talented quarterback meeting room Auburn has had in a long long time you know even dating back to I mean I can remember in some of the meeting rooms that that were with me it was it was myself and, and Damian Craig or you know you had Jason Campbell myself Daniel Cobb uh, and then you jump into guys like Cam Newton and Barrett Trotter, um, Neil Cottle. So there, there's always been talent. But I think from the standpoint of potential SEC starters, all three of these young men could start an SEC football game yeah, and, and, and find a way to win. Uh, you know, in looking at it, it kind of goes back to, I think, what, what the mantra is of Coach Harson and his staff they brought Finley in or were fortunate enough to sign TJ Finley, not just to push, but, but, but to get themselves in a position to have another SEC or all SEC caliber starter on the roster. And in turn, the, you know, the, the, the collateral victory there is that they're going to push another S all SEC starter in Bo Nix. One, it's it's a win-win for Auburn, in in my opinion. Bo, Bo's a young man that you know he came in like you had said he was all world as a high school senior, came in as a five-star, highly touted kid and much deserved. Had a had a good freshman season from the standpoint of expectations. Obviously, you know beat Alabama, should have beaten Georgia. Um, you know had some had some good wins, some great wins. And then as a sophomore, you're right, it did it kind of plateaued and, and did kind of regress relative to what he left right. in his freshman year. Right. So, you know, you jump into expectations and things like that. You know, Bo would be the first to tell you that, you know, he had he probably has higher expectations of himself than everybody else does. So yeah. 
I'm sure he was as disappointed in the outcome of, of the 2020 season as everyone. But at the same time, you also have to look at it, and this is this is coming from a true quarterback. You got to look at it for all you know your supporting cast as well. And you know the offensive line did not help him last year at all. And Bo, unfortunately, just out of I just out of habit, I think developed too quick of an internal clock. Yeah, and he was so accustomed to running for his life that even when the offensive line would, would properly protect him, he would run himself into a sack or he would run himself or scramble himself into a bad situation. And that's never, that's never good. Um, it can ruin a quarterback. Kyle Frazier comes to mind. Kyle Frazier had ability, but, but he absolutely can't succumb to, to, to that. I mean, it was it no was doubt. Terrible. And man. One of the things that, one of the things that Jimbo Fisher and they're, they're, you know, Jimbo's a great coach, but one of the, one of the few things that I take positive out of my experience with Jimbo is that he told me when I was a freshman that your goal as a quarterback should be to kick the football after every offensive possession. He said, if you can do that, if you can either punt, kick a field goal or kick an extra point, if you can, if you can kick the football, you will win 75% more games than you lose. So yeah. there's because you're eliminating turnovers. And I think that's one thing that Mike Bobo is working and in, in, in instilling in Bo's mentality. Bo essentially is a linebacker playing quarterback. I mean, he, he plays with that type of mentality. Yeah. Somebody's got to tell the young man, you're not going to run over an SEC linebacker. You're not going to jump over the top of a SEC defensive end. It, it is just not going to happen. So live to play another day. And and last year, unfortunately, too many of those mental errors, in my opinion, raised their heads. You know, you look at the South Carolina performance, you look at the Gainesville performance two years ago. In a lot of those situations, those were forced plays that Bo truly thought he could make. He very well could have made them at Pinson Valley, but you're not going to make them in the SEC, mm-hmm. especially against that caliber opponent. And so, again, I, I, am, I am super, super optimistic and excited, most importantly, to see Bo under Mike Bobo's tutelage because I know I've known, I've known Mike here we go, Mike. I've known Mike for 25 years, and Mike was my host at Georgia. I admired him as a high school player. I admired him when he was at Georgia. Remember watching him. You know, was when he were, he and I were were friends and have stayed in contact for years and years. I know how good a coach he is. I mean, hell, he's coached some good ones. I mean, he's coached David Green. He's coached DJ Shockley, Matthew Stafford, Aaron Murray. I mean, he has coached some studs. And so for him to take that and insert it into Bo's game or take Bo's game and insert it into his philosophy, dude, I think I think the sky's the limit. I mean, I think it's a great situation for Bo to be in for his last, you know, two years of eligibility. And then you got you got the Finley kid. He can throw it through a car washing and not get wet. I mean, he can he can make every single throw. And he is such a clean slate, Hope, that 
if you go back and think about it, this kid started at LSU as a true freshman. He didn't have the luxury of going through a spring practice. He didn't have the luxury of going through going through fall camp. I mean, he he basically showed up and they said, "Here's the ball, son." Right. Have at it. Now, granted, he you know he had some lackluster performances. I mean, we saw it firsthand and and how poorly he played against Auburn. You know, in in Jordan Hare last fall, but the kid has some unbelievable intangibles. He's a great kid. He wants to be here, and I think it's a situation where it's it is a uh, it is a good spot for Auburn to be in, and a win win for him, them and Finley. And then, you know, the day Demetrius Davis is anybody that can win a high school state championship in the state of Texas has obviously got got something about him. He's going to be an elusive scat kind of guy. I mean, he's going to be one that you know. I think they're going to build in some build in some scenarios for him to get the ball, put the ball in his hands. But don't you know? Make no mistake about it. While he can run, this kid's got a good arm, and he you know he carries himself well. He's he's somebody that everybody needs to be on the lookout for for a lot of great things for years to come. So one of the things that you know, Coach Harson mentioned after the scrimmage. Um, and, and we obviously got mixed reviews and, you know, Bo Nix was okay, threw a couple of picks. Um, but the thing that Brian Harson, uh, you know, harped on afterwards was decision-making. That's the word that came to mind um, when he said what he wants to see the quarterbacks improve on is decision-making. It's just like every day we're constantly telling them decision-making. And I think that kind of goes back to, to what you talked about, about kicking after every, uh, after every, um, possession. So how do you, how do you get somebody like Bonix who's ultra competitive, um, ultra confident, um, ultra talented? How, how do you flip the switch to making good decisions in the heat of the moment? Hey, do, do, don't, don't try to force that. Just, just throw it away or Hey, go r- run back, back up the middle, just get back up the middle and, and get six, seven and, and be done with it. Does it just, hey, you're just going to have to go out there and he's just going to have to have some games and it's just going to have to happen naturally? Or is there something that Bobo can do to flip the switch? Because you're right, the sooner he calms down and the sooner he starts to make smart plays and let his talent do the work um, and, and not roll out of the pocket and look for and just extend every play, like every play has to be a home run. Uh, my gosh, if he would do what Joe Burrow did and just go right back up the middle and just boom, boom, get a few yards, get what you can get. He, he would just kill people. But how, how do you flip that switch with him? You know, it, it's obviously easier said than done, especially you, you hit the nail on the head, especially with a kid that is ultra competitive. I mean, he, if I was, and I, you know, I was nowhere near the athlete that Bo Nix was, but from a mentality perspective, I feel confident that he would agree. I, I hated losing more than I love to win. And I think Bo fits in that mold as well. And, and he wants to do everything possible to win a football game, not just for him, but for his teammates and for Auburn. But sometimes, man, that can be an Achilles heel. And, you know, it, it is a difficult task to take on as a, as a coach to drill that into a young man's head that especially that has always athletically been better than everybody and been able to make what was probably a bad decision 
turn into a good play. And, you know, it's hard to curb that. It's hard to not coach that out of a young man, but it's hard to really have them see the fruits of what you're trying to coach them. It's just, hey, take the check down, take the check down, take the check down, run up the middle. Don't try and force that stick at post. Don't force it into double coverage. You see the safety over the top. Make the immediate decision to go to number two. Don't sit there and linger on the situation. If it's if it's third and seven, you know, yes, the rule is let the receiver get beyond the sticks and you make the throw. Well, there is a lot to be said. If you go back and look statistically, there are a lot of third and sevens, third and eights, third and tens that have been converted by catches that were made for less than five yards. Yeah. Let look, they don't, I guess nowadays I can say this and and not crack a smile <laughs> with name and image and likeness. Now the receivers and running backs don't get paid the money they get paid <laughs> to not give them the football, you know, let them do what they're supposed to do. They're the playmakers. Bo, you're the quarterback. You're the decision maker. Get them the ball and let them do their job. And I think that's that's what Mike's going to have to do. And I I would, you know, I, I I would. I'm cautious to say this, but sometimes it might take it may take Mike Bobo sitting Bo Nix down and saying, "Hey, if you can't make the right decision, we're gonna put we're gonna put the other kid in and see what happens." But until you until you begin playing in the manner that we expect you to, we're gonna go in a different direction. I don't I don't foresee that coming. Yeah. But it's gonna be some it's gonna be some tough love, I, I would foresee if it hasn't already begun. Yeah, that would be interesting to see how he would react to that if if it came to that. Um, you know, a lot of people point at that Penn State game and go, okay. I, you know, third game of the season, first road game of the year with a new offense and, and, and new new team and new coaches and you're at Penn State and what happens? What happens if, if that yeah. first half goes goes rough? But, well, and that's you know, hope that's to me, that's my that's my benchmark game for Auburn. And you know, and it's very similar. What do you want to see from that game? Well, one, I want to see Auburn win, and I think it is a very <laughs> winnable, it is a very winnable ball game. In, in, in my opinion, I think you honestly have two teams that are very similar to one another coming off fairly lackluster, lackluster seasons. One's coming in with a little bit higher expectation with Penn State. I think they're ranked in the top 20, I think maybe number 19 or something. Right. Yeah. Um, but again, playing, you know, playing in Happy Valley is going to be extremely difficult to white out and all, you know, all that kind of stuff that comes with it. But, you know, if you if you go back to 2010, Gene Chizik and Gus Malzahn, they didn't really know how good Cam was until the third game of the season. They they didn't know how good he was probably until Auburn played Clemson. And yeah, you know, right. and, and and that game in itself, he 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 stepped up and made plays. And and it was a it was Katie bar the door from there. But you know, I, I think it's a situation, honestly, that you know, there, there's going to be some trials and tribulations and some tests and things that they're going to encounter in the first two games that they're getting that ramped up for that visit to Penn State. And they're getting it, they're getting it honed in or going to want to get it honed in to figure it out, to give them the best opportunity to win games. 
in my opinion, Bo Nix is the best opportunity to win football games. I hope that he is mentally accepting of Mike Bobo's coaching. If he is, you're, you're going to see a kid that leads the SEC. And in my opinion, one of the things that, one of the things that I really, really hope to see improve with Bo Nix and it's probably not something that a lot of people pay attention to is his body language mm-hmm. is, yeah. you know, if you, if you watch, you probably don't notice it a lot if you're at the game or, you know, you just don't, you know, you don't watch him on the sidelines, but if you're watching, if you go back and anybody has the TV cuts or the TV copies of, of games from last season or the season before there, there's just, there's just too much there. There's just too much. And then we'll say negativity, but there's too much, you know, shrugging your shoulders and too much. And it, I don't think it's back talk, but at some point the coach is the coach and you need to shut up and do what they say to do. Yeah. And, you know, don't go sit by yourself. Don't put the towel over your head. Be the quarterback. Be the leader. Take it on the chin. Motivate your guys and, and, and be there. Be the leader of the pack. And if, if, if I had any advice for Bo, if I could deliver anything to him, that is the one thing that I would hone in on is that as goes you, as goes the team. And they pay attention to every move you make. And right now, in 2021, every camera is on you. And you got to know that. No, yeah, I would completely agree with that. Um, I do think there was probably a little bit bottle. And that South Carolina game is a prime example. It's probably his worst, one of his worst games. And in, in, in what you have, you have a spat on the sideline and you have body language that was bad. And, and just so happens it was also, you know, maybe his, his worst game. So it's probably not a coincidence. Um, yeah, Penn State's going to be wild. Um, certainly, uh, I kind of, people have asked me about that game and, I don't know, man. I think like, you know, you're kind of saying it too. Like, I guess I'm less optimistic than everybody else about that game. Um, probably only because I'm, I'm a, I'm a cynic and I'm, I'm like, I'm very much a show me before I believe it kind of person. And um, th- I just think there's some huge hurdles to, to, to go on the road for the first time with that offense and boat and like win the game. Um, I kind of liken it to 2013 LSU, like, Hey, can they? What are things they can get out of that game to come back? And then maybe maybe LSU's the maybe LSU's the game that everybody thinks Penn State game. Maybe maybe they lose Penn State, but maybe they figure something out and they go to Baton Rouge and win, um, yep. like a couple weeks later. So I I don't know. I'm just kind of one of those that there's just little things that I want to see. Like I would just love to see a different Bo Nix, a little bit more efficient, and then okay, foundation's different. We see a different foundation now. That's what they're building on. Okay, that's that's promising. So. I don't know, man, but it's like, I, I feel like people are thinking they can go win. Like what happens if they go and lose by 17? Yeah. And that, and see, do we hang it up I, or I'm, what do we do? I, yeah. I'm like you. I, I just, and I think that's, that really, man, if you go back and look and you, and you talk about the, I mean, you know, let's talk about the Gus Malzahn era, right? Oh, it, it was, no, I'd, I'd rather not, but I can't <laughs> help it. You know, when you go back and, the problem that everyone had with Gus Malzahn other than him just being a, a major introvert and, you know, just, I don't know, just whatever. But the, 
it wasn't necessarily the wins and losses. I mean, because he won, he won a lot of games. Yeah. But it's how bad the losses were. Yeah. I mean, you're getting your doors blown off by Alabama. You're getting just pummeled by, you know, Georgia. It just – you can't win a road game. I mean, all those things come into play. It's how, how, how poorly the losses looked. So, to your point, you, you got a great point in thinking, yes, I expect them to win just because you strap it up, it's, it's time to win. But I would also put a little asterisk by that, just like you said, in the example of the 2013 LSU game, if, in fact, you come away with an L, what positives do you come away with? And how do you build on those? Because, look, you're right, dude. That's 100,000 plus. And when, and historically, when Bo Nix has been at his worst, it's been on the road. So what, what Bo Nix do we see? And, you know, sir, there are a lot of – there are a lot of variables. There's a lot of hurdles. There's a lot of, you know, question marks. So it'll, it will be interesting. And, you know, like I said, if they, if they do lose by 17, if they do lose by 24, you're, it's going to be a fruit basket turnover. I think you're going to see them. You're going to see them do a lot of things over the next handful of weeks after that to find the right personnel, to find the right fits, to, to make that amen corner turn that they would when they embark on SEC play. Yeah, there's no question. It just uh, we'll see. I, I if it, you know, it's easy to compare seasons. Like, let's go back to Gus's first year, and that you know, and but but I could easily see a scenario where yeah, Penn State is your LSU of 13, and LSU this year is your A and M of of 13, yeah. um, where it comes together on the road against a team, and then it's like oh, they put it all together, and we'll see. Um, hey, before we get out of here, Harson, uh, as a as a like in the community of Auburn and just kind of what are some things that you've heard about how involved he is? We've heard about him involving former players in the program. We talked to Sammy and he said, he's, he, you know, they invited him up there. And of course, former players got to go to the scrimmage and um, really, really want you, you got to go watch him run decks, which I thought was a pretty cool idea to bring former players in and say, watch my guys work. I just want you to see that we're working hard and, and that that's the benchmark, you know, um, I think, I think it's like a respect thing from former players and, and, and him running the program. He wants your respect um, of how he's doing things, but what's just kind of been your impression of him. We don't know how this is going to turn out. Like I'm, we just don't, I mean, I, I thought Tom Herman was, was an awesome hire at Texas. Like there, you just, there's, there's things that you, it could look great. And there's all kinds of circumstances that we don't exactly know. Like I never thought Dabo would be at Clemson what he is. Um, but what are things that you've heard and seen from Brian Harson that you can at least point to and say, look, I don't know. I don't know how it's all going to turn out. Like Brian Harson said in that video, I don't know how many games we're going to win, but if you keep doing the little things in the process, we're going to have a chance to win every one of them. So, like, what are things that he's done that you've heard or, or seen that you're like, I don't know how it's going to turn out, but I know he's setting a foundation that will at least give us an opportunity for some consistency. Well, and, and you know, I think one of the one of the biggest things that he is that he is doing is he is he is making a making it a point to engage and involve former players, and and not you know. Deserve, deservedly so, the Cam Newtons and the Bo Jacksons of the world and the, you know, the Sammy Coates of the world, 
those guys absolutely deserve every red carpet that would ever be laid in front of them because of how one, the types of people they are. And, you know, number two, the, the, the leadership they provide, you know, Trevon Reed is a, is such a prime example yeah. of that. Who's such a, you know, such a huge part of Auburn history and the, the, his background and, and his message is so impactful to these young men. So I think, I think Harson is doing a tremendous job from that regard. He is doing what I, I, I call it, I call it fan equity. He's building a relationship and a rapport very similar to Coach Tuberville in that he is he is in the community. I mean, he's doing he's he's going to Byron's and eat breakfast. I mean, he's he's doing doing things, making himself seen, maybe not so much as Bruce Pearl, but he's he's in that mold much more so than Gus Malzahn. Mm-hmm. And I think that's that's buying that's 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 getting some buy-in from the from the passive fan that just wasn't you know wasn't in it from the get-go they're they're he's making himself vulnerable enough to get some favor or win some favor from from the Auburn family you know and I think that's a big deal I mean just as creative as he's doing with inviting the former players Hope there was over a hundred former players that came back to watch those watch those guys run those decks that day. Wow. Did I see Yox there? Yox was there, dude. And uh, you want to talk about wow. a hit. Yox, listen, Yox was at the top of the stadium coaching these kids up. And the reason, hey, what's crazy is the reason Yox is there is the current, the present strength coach now on Harson's staff was Yox's GA at Minnesota. Wow. So I mean, dude, Yox was there, whistle and all. I mean, he was up at the top of the stadium coaching these kids up. I mean, he, and he ain't missed a beat. He wow. is the exact same, doesn't care what color you are, where you come from, how many, how many SEC banners you have. He's going to coach you hard as hell, and he's going to love you even harder. And, and that's just him. But – and then – and then you go into a situation where they, you know, they have the scrimmage and they, they invite everybody back to watch the scrimmage and see what's going on. And then the announcement and the announcement yesterday of having an open practice on the 28th, I believe it is, yeah, with wild. some, you know, fan experience stuff outside the stadium and things like that are, will they continue? I don't know, but they are necessary at this point in a new era. And those are things that I think that he is, whether he is coming up with them himself or he's having the willingness and openness to listen to his people to do those things. And that, that says a lot about Coach Harson. I mean, I, I'm, I'm on board, man. I mean, I've bought in. I, I like what he stands for. I'm, I'm eager for him and his staff to be here for a long, long time, because I really think that they are laying some building blocks that will, you know, that'll get, that'll get Auburn into the mode of expectation to compete for an SEC West title every single year. He, he told us we were on a conference call um, right after, right after he'd been hired. He'd been, he'd been on campus maybe three weeks. And we had a Letterman's conference call, and he was he was gracious enough to join the call and and kind of opened himself up and spoke. Did you know? Did his typical coach speak? Right, 
And then probably regretfully, he opened it up for questions. And I mean, dude, I'm talking hundreds of us were on the call. Well, and of course, everybody's kind of sitting there, you know, with, you know, with their mouth shut. And one guy says, coach, we just, you know, we want to know what, what can we do as a, as a letterman's club to help you be successful or anything we can do. And he was super poignant and, and very Pat Dyish in his response in that guys, there's, there's two things. He's one, you know, please don't mistake this as me not being respectful and appreciative of the, of the groundwork you've laid and the love you got for Auburn and the fact that we, we represent you. He said, but I do have a couple of things in the sense that one, I've been here three weeks. I've heard more about everybody else than I have about Auburn as far as what's Alabama doing, what's LSU doing, what's Georgia doing. We got to fix our own house first. Wow. And that was, I mean, that was, that was right in the face, you know, and I, I loved it. He said, the other thing is guys, he said, I, I know what league we play in. I know who I have to beat to keep my job. And I know who we have to beat in order to compete for championships. He said, all I need you to do is continue to support us as a football team. Let us do our jobs and let us win games and build these young men. And I, when he said that, I was all in and, and knew that we weren't, we weren't working with someone that was a puppet. We weren't working with someone. He was going to be a hard charger. He was going to be someone that did it his way. And I, re- I respect the heck out of it. And he's got a staff that will do the same thing. That's an awesome story. Um, and, that, and that falls in line with everything I've heard about who he is, um, you know, as a practical and, you know, regimented um, person. So, I mean, that, that makes a lot of sense. Look, it's like what, you know, what we were, I was talking with Sammy. Um, he was saying, look, there's only so much a coaching staff can do, and then it's on the players. And so I think when you're trying to evaluate, you know, you're trying to project what Brian Harson can do and who he can be at Auburn, you know, you, you can evaluate some things, and then at some point you go after that, it's just, you know, injuries. Does, you know, does he land that kid or not? Does he miss out on that offensive tackle or not? Does he, you know, it's just like then it comes to the execute in that big road game four years from now that could be the difference in a division championship. Like at some point, and then it's just on the players and stuff. But I think if you're just saying, hey, look, there's a certain amount we know and there's a certain amount we don't know. And what we know, I think of what we know, I think – Brian Harson was a, was a great hire. And I think is a good I, hire for Auburn and what they need, like what we know, that's it. Everything else we'll see. He's got a bunch yeah. of decisions to make as we go and he could make bad ones that we could look back and go. Well, but, but I think from what we know about him and kind of what it's going to take to win in the sec and go up against and build a machine, you know, the guys, the guy's a winner. And I think he brings the right attitude to Aubrey's, but in a place like Boise that doesn't get a lot of attention, but all he did was win championships he might lose more games this year than he's ever lost in his career. Um, he's probably going to lose more games in the conference this year than he's ever lost in, in a season right out of the gate. Um, so he just expects to win. And so maybe he'll bring a little bit of that attitude. Like, that's interesting. Like, hey, all I've heard about is other people. Like, what's the deal with that? Why, why aren't we talking about us? That's, that's yeah. fascinating. Well, and, you know, I sound, I sound super old school when I say this, but he, I think he comes to Auburn with a little bit in his crawl. You know, he, he's, he's got a little bit of chip on his shoulder. And I think that's something that's got to carry, that's got to carry down to the players. And, and it does. I mean, you can see it. You can see that these kids have a point to prove. They've got a chip on the shoulder. 
and and they they want they want to start this Harson era off on a positive note. And then you make a great point talking about there. There's only so much a coach can do, right? You know, and then and there as and as a player in a specific position, there's only so much you can do. And it kind of goes back to the old saying of just control the controllables. Yeah. If you do that, you got to have a little bit of luck. You got to have the ball bounce your way ever so often. But if you can control the controllables, odds are things will turn out more positive than negative. I completely agree. We'll see, man, three weeks out of Akron um, and then a few more weeks out of Penn State and, and what should be a, a fun opening weekend, get fans back in Auburn. And, and um, I think it'll be really exciting and really cool just to, just to, just to see people excited about getting, getting in town and getting, getting back in the swing of things. So we'll see how it goes. A lot of decisions have to be made. Depth charts got to be made. Uh, COVID protocols got to be followed. Boy, a lot of stuff's got to go on before, uh, before that Akron game. So um, we'll, when we, and when we get into the season for everybody, it look, Ben's going to be back with us. You know, we value his perspective and he's going to be back with us throughout the season at Auburn live and just kind of giving his perspective on games and as we roll forward. Um, appreciate it, man. Thanks for coming. Hope. Thanks for having me, brother. I'm, I'm like you. I'm excited for folks coming back and it's just seeing a sense of normalcy. So hopefully on a game day Saturday, folks will go get them some, a box full of irritable bowel and then go down the street and get them a few brewskis at Southeastern. Boom. There you go. Look at you doing my job for them. All right, brother. Thanks so much, man. Thanks, man. Yep. You got it. Auburn live. We'll see everybody next time. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.